Hello and welcome to Biblical Breadcrumbs, the show where we try to take a small section of the Bible and make it digestible enough to be understood. Um, but of course, we're not going over the whole thing, so be sure you look over it and read through it and keep thinking on it, even after we get done here. We're going to briefly talk about Matthew chapter 2 today, starting in verse 1, going through uh, probably about 15 if I can make it in time. Um, I'll judge when I get there, but I think it's Matthew 2, verses 1 through 15. Now, let's remember where we were at last time, because in chapter 1, we talk about, firstly, we open up with genealogy, which, again, super boring to us, super fascinating to the Jews. And this genealogy, really, it proves um, three main things, I think. One, Jesus is the son of David, which is super important. Um, we'll talk about a couple facets of that tonight. Mainly, it is... David as king, but also David as shepherd, I think that does play into it, especially with uh, what's coming up in verse 6 here. And the second thing, second person, Jesus is related to Abraham, and so he's the fulfillment of the promise from Genesis 12 and all of, all of the details in that. And so that's very important. Uh, Jesus is from the Jewish line, but he's also, thirdly, he's the descendant of Jeconiah, which, again, I keep bringing that up because I think that's very important. Jesus is not able to be a physical king because of that. They don't understand that, and uh, that's going to come up right in these first few verses. So that was like verses 1 through 17 of chapter 1, and then the rest of it, the last episode, 18 through 25, we talked a little bit about the birth of Jesus. And uh, yeah, it just kind of happened. It shouldn't have happened. It can't have happened physically, normally, um, but God said it did, and so it did. And that's about all that there is to that. Now, Joseph Joseph showed himself to be faithful in obeying the angel when the angel said, Mary, 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 anyway. Um, and, yeah, that he, he believed, and he did. And the emphasis there is not so much on Jesus' birth and the events thereof, but really the point of Jesus' birth, as Matthew sees it, is to establish his godhood. And to establish that he is the son of God. He is the son of none other but God. He is God's son. He is the son of God. And yes, I know I said that four times because it's just, it's that apparent. That is what Matthew wants you to understand. If you understand that, everything else in the gospel is going to make sense. If you don't understand that Jesus is God's son, then you're going to miss out on a lot of everything that's happening. So it's very important that we see that firsthand. We also briefly talked about um, verse 23 of chapter 1 and the idea of quoting from the Old Testament. That's going to come up a couple times in this episode, so hopefully you remember what was going on with that. If you don't, I hope I explained it well in the last video, uh, audio, and uh, if I didn't, I'm going to try to lead you through it these couple times again, and hopefully you see it better there. That all being said, let's start into chapter 2, and starting into chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 through 6, and then we're going to stop and talk about those. So, chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star to the east, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet, 
And you, Bethlehem, land of Judea, or of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And so here we have this instance where um, we're talking about Jesus' birth again, and verse 1, Jesus was born. There you go. That's all the details that you need to know about Jesus being born. If you want more, go read Luke. Matthew doesn't care because those are irrelevant. He has established that Jesus is God's son, and he's going to talk about some of the important events, uh, mainly the ones that have to do with Old Testament prophecy, that are associated with Jesus' birth. But yeah, he doesn't actually care about the whole shepherds thing and when the angels come singing. Yeah, that's, that's Luke's job. Luke can talk about that. It's irrelevant to Matthew. And so we're talking about the Magi instead. Now, notice here, we have main characters, right? Jesus is born, and then we just kind of don't hear about him for a little bit. Instead, we're talking about Herod the king and Magi. Now, Magi, uh, wise men as we usually think of them, um, I think they're some kind of astronomers, probably given that they follow the stars, or maybe astrologers. Um, I don't really care about their job description because they follow a star and they go see Jesus, and that's about all that I need to know. But uh, they, they did something with astronomy, astrology, whichever one. I don't, I don't particularly care the difference between those two. So they come to Jerusalem, and they say, huh, where's the king? You know where we should ask for a king? We should ask the king. And so they go to Herod, the king, and they say, hey, where's the king? Now, this is a normal thought, right? Herod is basically a governor of, of Judah, at this point, he is appointed by Rome, as far as I remember, and he and his family kind of have been there a couple generations. They'll be there a couple more, at least. And so, yeah, he's just kind of a staple there. He is their king under Rome. He's just a governor, basically. But he's a king, and so you would think that a, a new king of Judah would be born under the king. And so they go to the king, and they say, hey, where's the king? And the king says, huh? What, what king are you talking about? Huh? Wait, no, you, there isn't someone. Because how is Herod thinking when he hears king of the Jews? He's thinking someone's going to come to replace him. Right? I'm, I'm sure of that. He is. Herod is the king of the Jews. And so there can't be another king of the Jews. He, he's, he's not mine. So where is he? Well, obviously, this king of the Jews is going to kick Herod out and replace him. Thus, look at verse 4. Uh, he gathers together all of the chief priests and the scribes of the people and asks them about where the Messiah is going to be born. Herod intimately connects the ideas of king of the Jews and Messiah together. These two are one and the same. He understands that. Um, so obviously he's heard enough of Jewish tradition or whatever to be able to know that that's what they're talking about when they say king of the Jews, this person who's coming to deliver. Again, Herod does not recognize that they're talking, that, that the Messiah is not coming as a physical king, but as a spiritual one. Nobody does realize that. Why else do you think Matthew starts off with a genealogy that says, hey, hey, he's, Jesus is related to Kaniah. He cannot be the king. He cannot be a physical king. Why do you think Matthew starts off with that? It's because of misunderstandings like this. 
and I, I think you'll see this later on in the book as well, quite a bit later, but, but you'll see this later on. And so he goes, uh, Herod goes, and he asks about the Messiah, and the people, uh, the priests and the scribes say, oh yeah, we know where he's born, we're gonna quote Micah 5 at you. And so look at Micah 5, Micah 5 verse 2. They say he's going to be born in Bethlehem because this is what the prophet said. Now, keeping in mind the lessons we learned about um, how how Matthew quotes things, he doesn't just quote one verse, he quotes the context. Keep that in mind, and look at Micah 5. Um, Micah 5. Um, let's start in verse 1. Now muster yourself in troops, daughter of troops. They have laid siege against us. With a rod they will smite the judge of Israel on the cheek. But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth from for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Therefore, he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has borne a child. Then the remainder of his brethren will return to the sons of Israel, and he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will remain, because at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. This one will be our peace. That is Micah 5, verses 1 through the first little bit of 5. It should really just be 1 through 4, um, but I don't, I don't know why they put this one will be our peace as the first part of verse 5. That irritates me. Anyway, um, that, that's irrelevant for what we're talking about right now. When Matthew quotes... Micah 5.2. He's not just quoting Micah 5.2, although if he was, I mean, look at what Micah 5.2 says about Jesus. Um, he's born in Bethlehem. He's going to be a ruler in Israel. His goings are from the days of eternity. He's always existed. Who do you think this ruler is going to be if he's just always existed? Um, there aren't many choices for that, but the choices basically end with God, and that's it. Who do you think Jesus is? Because he's God. Uh, that's what Micah 5, 2 is going to say. Uh, in, but in the end of verse 1, they're going to smite the judge of Israel on the cheek. So they're going to injure this judge, this leader. Um, there's going to be a leader who comes in verse 2. And then verse 3, the people are going to be given up when she until um, she who is in labor has born a child. There's going to be some trials. There's going to be some difficulties there for these people. And yet, then he's going to arise. Whoever this is, he's going to arise. He's going to shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Good things are going to happen after tribulation. That's the message of Micah 5, verse 2, and context. And so when the people, when the chief priests and the scribes are quoting from Micah 5, 2, when, Matthew's, when Matthew is quoting them, quoting from Micah 5, he's saying Jesus is going to save after persecution. That is what Jesus is going to do. And so we can see that fulfilled in Jesus' life and in his death. That's how these prophecies are supposed to work. So let's put that down for now. I didn't get everything out of it, obviously, but I hope that that is helpful to you to some extent. Um, and you can look more at that later. There's more I'm definitely missing, and you should try to find it, because mm, there's a lot in there. So let's start in verse 7. Let's do this next section, 7 through 12. Um, 
Let's read those verses in Matthew chapter 2, and then we'll talk about them some. Uh, starting in verse 7. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way. And the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, that they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. So Herod, uh, he finds out that uh, this, this child, right, this Messiah, this king of the Jews, mainly, to Herod anyway, He's born in Bethlehem, and so he says, hey, uh, y'all from the east, uh, this guy's born in Bethlehem. You should go scout it out for me and find him so that uh, I can come and worship him. And so they just kind of go. I think the Magi at this point are probably expecting to return to Herod. Um, so they go. They see the star, and they get to rejoice because they get to see the child. They get to see Jesus, and they present him with rich offerings and then they leave, but not back to Jerusalem. They leave a different direction. Um, they leave to their home country by a different way because they're warned in a dream. I'm assuming, well, it, it says warned, uh, just, it says warned in a dream in the actual text. The New American Standard that I'm using supplements by God because, you know, who else is going to warn you in a dream? I don't know, but... God or an angel talks to them in a dream, I assume, and tells them, don't go back. And so they don't go back. That's about all I have for that. Um, I don't have anything to add to that story. It's just kind of there. Um, why do you think that the Magi approach this child so reverently? Because this child has authority. And that's, that is a main theme of Matthew. Um, the authority of Jesus, it's established in Jesus's divinity being God's son. You may have remembered me saying that quite a few times, and uh, it's shown here. This is why they're worshiping him, because he's got authority. I don't know if they recognize that he's God's son or not, but uh, something about the stars, something about him tells them that, and so they do so. He has authority even over the foreigner. So let's look at verses 13 through 15 briefly, um, and we'll end off with these. So Matthew 2, verses, uh, starting in verse 13. Now when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was still night and left for Egypt. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I call my son. Now, this angel appears, this angel, uh, an angel of the Lord, he appears to Joseph and he says, You, you uh, do these th few things, right? Keep your family safe, do these few things, go to Egypt. Um, I don't know if this is the same angel in verse in chapter 1 and verse 20 that spoke to Joseph 
um, and, and commanded him to take Mary as a wife anyway because he, he explained what would, was going on there. I don't know if that's the same angel or not. I don't really care because it's God's message either way. And so I'm not going to worry about that. But uh, Joseph is told to get up, take, flee, and remain. And so Joseph got up, he took, he left, and he remained. Uh, that sounds like he's doing pretty much exactly the same thing that God told him to do. Probably a good thing to emulate, you know? And so Joseph is just a really good example of uh, of faith here, really. He, he took it on faith that everything was okay with Mary in chapter 1. And he takes it on faith that he needs to go to Egypt to, to move countries here in chapter 2. That's an amazing display. Um, and Joseph is just a good example of that. There is no hesitation that's noted. There is no questioning that's noted. Joseph just does as he is commanded. That is amazing, very admirable of him. And so look at verse 15. Uh, he remained there until the death of Herod. Firstly... That's not the same Herod that's in the latter part of the book of Matthew at Jesus' trial. It is not the same Herod that's in the book of Acts. That's a different Herod. Point proven. I'd, I'd, it's one of his, it's his son or grandson, I think. I'm not really sure which one it is. I don't remember their family tree. But uh, it's not him, because he's dead. Read verse 19. When Herod died. I don't really have to emphasize that point anymore, because Herod's dead. All right. But look at verse 15, because that is very important, how he ends off. Why does Joseph go to Egypt? Why does Joseph and his family go to Egypt? Why do they have to? Well, if you're looking down and you notice one of the uh, some of these words in that special font that means it's quoted from the Old Testament, then maybe you should go back to Hosea chapter 11. It's Hosea chapter 11 in verse 1 that is being quoted um i turned that's the wrong page there you go uh so he quotes hosea 11 1 um you know let's start in hosea 10 verse 15 so uh verse 14 actually so that you can get the context of what's being said here because it's not very happy uh hosea chapter 10 verse 14 through like Hosea 11 verse 4. Therefore a tumult will arise among your people, and all your fortresses will be destroyed, as Shalman destroyed Beth Arbel in the days of battle, when mothers were dashed in pieces with their children, thus it will be done to you at Bethel because of your great wickedness. At dawn the king of Israel will be completely cut off. When Israel was a youth I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more they called them, the more they went from them. They kept sacrificing to the balls and burning incense to idols. Yet it is I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them in my arm, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of a man with bonds of love. And I became to them as one who lifts the yoke from their jaws, and I bent down and fed them. When Matthew quotes Hosea chapter 11 verse 1, uh, verse 1b, really, He's not just quoting Hosea 11.1. 1. Context of this passage, it's horrible. It's bad things are happening. Um, pain and suffering. Israel is going through problems because of their sin, and yet the message is that as God called his son out of Egypt, as God called his son Israel, 
He's going to care for them. He's going to provide for them. He's going to feed them. He's going to free them. That's the promise of God. Jesus goes to Egypt. Yeah, sure, it's to be safe from Herod. Yes, sure, it's it's a sign of faith from Joseph, and that's a wonderful example. But uh, Jesus goes to Herod, and Matthew is able to quote this one verse and its context, which really show you what God is doing. He is providing, he is loving his people, even though his people are sinful against him. Jesus is coming because of God's love. Even in all the bad times, even in all the sin they put towards God, God forgives them, he leads them, he frees them, he feeds them. That's the message of Hosea 11, and that's what Matthew is calling out here. Well, that about does it for this episode, Walt. I thank you for listening, uh, for going through the first 15 verses of chapter 2. On the next episode, we'll go ahead and finish up 16 through 23 and be done with that. And I hope that that is of benefit to you as well. Hopefully you've seen something new. I know it's not an exhaustive study, but hopefully hopefully it's helpful and that you see something important in there. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Biblical Breadcrumbs.